Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Bible Reset Podcast. Our team is getting a little bit of vacation time in before the end of the summer, so we weren't able to record a new podcast episode this week. Instead, we're happy to share this talk given a couple years ago by our friend and our co-host, Glenn Powell. The presentation is titled Reenchanting the Scriptures, and it was originally delivered at the Anselm Society's Imagination Redeemed Conference here in Colorado Springs. If you're interested in learning more about the Imagination Redeemed Conference, including this year's event on September 24th and 25th, visit imaginationredeemed.com. Hope you enjoy the presentation, and we'll see you on the next one. of the Holy Scriptures. They're an amazing gift to us, a gift we have not always received well. We pray that your Spirit will be here with us today to help us get a perspective on the Scriptures that will honor it as the kind of gift you chose to give us, so that we can know it well and then live it well. Pray this in the name of Jesus, who is our brother and our King. Amen. Let me briefly introduce myself. My name is Glenn Powell. I work with the Institute for Bible Reading, which is a new startup nonprofit focused exclusively on Bible engagement. We basically want to change the way the world reads the Bible. It comes out of about 30 years of Bible publishing. I worked for the organization that owned the NIV, so I published the NIV for 28 years. And as my career went along there, I had this increasingly distressing understanding that we were selling Bibles hand over fist all day long, every year, but people were mightily struggling to connect with the scriptures. So people will buy Bibles, people will give Bibles as gifts, but people were really struggling to get a healthy connection with the Bible. So they had Bibles, but they didn't read them. They used Bibles minimalistically, oftentimes, the way we use the Bible these days, without knowing it well, without understanding really what kind of book it is. And so our little group a couple years ago started to reintroduce a concept called reading Bibles, which takes out all the modern additives and gives people a text that looks like the literature it is. We're going to talk about that in a minute, so that the Bible can be read as stories, songs, proverbs, prophecies, apocalypse, all all the different genres that are within the Bible. So people at least have one step closer to having a good, deep Bible experience. Because what I see happening is increasingly a Bible-less Christianity. And I think it's doomed to do poorly in the world. I don't think Christianity will do well if the people who make up the faith are not well acquainted with the scriptures that God gave us. He gave them to us for a purpose. So we're going to explore that this morning. Its story starts with the birth in the modern world of the scientific method. What happened in the modern world when science was born is that it quickly became very clear to people that this is a powerful thing, right? Think about world history and the coming of science, and suddenly this new way of looking at the world, the new way especially of understanding truth, right? Science is is able, and, and its application into technology, right, creates powerful tools, tools that, that are monopolistic. Right, Science, you might say, is kind of totalitarian. What it did when it came into the modern world, it started pushing aside traditional pre-modern ways of knowing things. 
right? So science says, oh, you claim you have a revelation from God. What is that, right? The gods are are medieval and prehistoric ways of understanding how things happen in the world when we don't know how they really happen. But science tells us how things really happen so we can quit attributing them to the gods. So science pushed aside tradition, revelation, right? Relationship, the arts. Those were frivolous things around the edge of the world, but science now held the center. And so in the social sciences, they started to speak about the disenchantment of the world. Max Weber wrote and said, people no longer go out into the world as if it was a great enchanted garden. Right? The world now is a place where no matter what happens, we're always looking for the explanation of it, the rationalization of it, the understanding of it according to science. And we quit seeing the world as a place of wonder, and it became a world in which we can explain things. And so what happens when this modernity, right, this modern theory of knowledge, this epistemology, this way of knowing things, what happens when that meets the Bible? So Christians, for the first time in a thousand years, were on the defensive philosophically. Christians felt like, wow, what we have is traditional ways of knowing. Christianity is not based on the scientific method. So we were, we were feeling defensive. It's very interesting to me as well that the form of the Bible changed with the birth of the modern world. This is not incidental. If you have a decent doctrine of creation, I think you understand the relationship between the design and the form of things and what people think things are for, what they are. Right? We, we neglect design to our peril. And when we changed the form of the Bible, we changed what people thought it was. So it was late in the Bible's history, the 16th century, that the first modern Bible was born, a chapter and verse Bible. So for 1,500 years, the church had a Bible without chapters and verses. That's staggering. How do they use it, right? Such a thing is unusable. How do you look anything up? But when that first modern Bible was born, the Geneva Bible, mid-16th century, every single verse number now listed as a separate paragraph, two columns down the page surrounded by commentary, looking for all the world like a reference book. Right? This is not a book built for reading. It's no coincidence that proof texting was born with the birth of the modern world. If you look at the writing of the church's theologians, there was no proof texting before there was a Bible that could be proof texted. I don't know if proof textable is a word, but, but that's what happened, right? So when you list every single verse as a separate paragraph, and, and you don't see songs, you don't see poetry, you don't see a letter, you don't see stories, what you see is lists of spiritual facts. The modern world loves facts. That was, that was the epistemology, that facts are where it's at. And other things, stories, really, poetry, right? Those are on the boundaries now, not at the center of what's knowable, what's true. So our way of knowing in the Christian faith was pushed to the margins, and we got a little defensive. Some people embraced the modern method and tried to apply it to the Bible. So Charles Hodge, right, a, a theologian at Old Princeton in the 19th century, he writes a systematic theology. 
Right? There were no systematic theologies until there was a Bible that could be put together in the form of a systematic theology with all these verses. Because a systematic theology takes the facts, puts them together when they talk about the same thing, and lists the Bible references as proof that this is what the Bible teaches. And so he said in his introduction to his systematic theology, the Bible is to the theologian what nature is to the man of science. The Bible is his book of facts. And the point is to find all the facts on a particular topic, put them together, list them, and create a system of truth. This is a new way of thinking about the Bible. We lost in that moment a lot of what the Bible actually is, the Bible that God gave us. So the question is, can we re-enchant the Bible? Now, the nice thing is, we don't actually have to re-enchant the Bible. That is, to, to re-enchant means to, to actually literally speak a, a chant or a spell over something, right? A spell is something that is, is words with power. A spell, the idea behind a spell is, is that it makes something change in the world. It binds or it looses, right? So the Bible, because it already is words with power, we don't have to artificially like re-enchant the Bible and put the power back in. It's always been there. So re-enchantment of the Bible is actually a matter of taking away the chains that we've put on the Bible. We have been limiting the Bible because we haven't received the Bible God gave us. C.S. Lewis was the one who said, it's the obligation of any student of literature, of any kind of writing, to receive, first of all, and fully, what the author intended. Instead, we've used the Bible. We use literature without receiving it. That's the distinction that C.S. Lewis worked with. And so what we're trying to do as we re-enchant the scriptures is take away the things that we've put around the scriptures that misframe it, that misunderstand it, that answer the two fundamental questions. What is the Bible and what are we supposed to do with it? Differently, we change the answers in the modern period. So we need to go back to an earlier understanding of what the Bible is that God actually gave us. So I propose three steps to re-enchanting the Bible. First of all, rediscover its literature. The Bible is a collection of unique literary writings from the ancient world. So the first step is to rediscover those books. The fundamental units of the Bible are not chapters, and they are not verses. That's an artificial system that was added late to the Bible. The fundamental natural units of the Bible are whole books. So Philip Yancey it was who said, we've created an entire culture of Bible McNuggets. We've attempted to live off of them, and we pretend that they are nutritious. He says, we need to get back to Bible feasting and away from Bible snacking. So, rediscovering the literature of the Bible means feasting on whole books and, and asking of that book, what kind of writing is this? Is this a story? Is this a proverb? What is a proverb? What is a prophecy? What kind of history did the Bible write? What is a letter? What is an apocalypse? How Different kinds of literature work differently. They do things differently with words. Their impact is different at a different level. Some kinds of writing are, are better for certain kinds of things than others. So we need to become reacquainted with the kind of writing in the Bible so we don't misinterpret poetry and read it as literalistic history, for instance. Right? 
God gave us all these literary forms in the Bible. The Spirit chose them. We dishonor the Bible and we dishonor the Spirit when we ignore the kind of writing the Bible is. So that's the first and crucial step. Now, a lot of books in the Bible are not narrative, but the books come together to tell a great story. Step number two in the re-enchantment of the Bible. Re-engage the Bible as a story. Hans Frey, a theologian from and a historian from Yale, wrote a book called The Eclipse of Biblical Narrative, in which he discovered how in the modern world we've quit talking about the Bible as a story. Now, I'm happy to report that the rediscovery of narrative has taken off in recent years, and it's a hugely important and healthy recovery of what the Bible actually is. Because the way the Bible works is these different books come together to tell a story that goes someplace. And you know what? We don't live in propositions, right? We don't live in facts. We live in stories. So God is speaking our language when he made the Bible a story. And the thing about a story is not everything is the same all the way through. So the people at the beginning of the story don't know everything that the people at the end know. So the thing we try to do with the chapter and verse Bible is we like to quote verses from anywhere and think it's like God's final answer right? It is not. God works with people where they are. And what we need to learn to do is say, where is this story going? Right? Where is the story of slavery in the Bible headed? If you add up verses on slavery, you'll get to the wrong place, I can tell you. The story of slavery in the Bible, just to take one example, I could take many. The story goes someplace and we have to say, where's the gospel trajectory of the Bible? We live where the story's going, not where it's been. Violence, right? The role of women, all these crucial topics. We need to learn to read the Bible as a redemptive movement, a story that goes someplace, especially through the life and work and ministry of Jesus Christ. He is the lens through which we read the scripture. So the rediscovery of story. And then the third point comes in this amazing fact, really, that the story we have in the Bible is unfinished. We live in that unfinished space at the end of the story. So actually, and I would say gloriously, we have a new vision of the Christian life as a work of art, because the only option available to us, unless we want to keep replaying the acts that were earlier in the story, like pretend we're in ancient Israel or in first century Rome, right? We are not. We are in a later scene. The only option we have is biblical improvisation. And I love this because it means we're living the drama. Story was great, right? It was, it was a huge recovery. But where story tells, drama does, right? A drama isn't a drama. You can read it. I mean, you can read Shakespeare. But, but what Shakespeare intended was for his plays to be performed, enacted, embodied and up on the stage for everyone to see. The Bible, in the same way, is a living drama that we enter into. And the only way, if you know anything about musical or comedic improvisation, is you have to know what went on before, right? It's not randomly making up whatever you want, right? It's based on what's already happened. So we must become so familiar with the Bible and the script of the story so far that when we're playing our part in this new world, 
when we're playing our parts in this world, this scene, this later scene in history, we know that story so it can inform and shape and we are living the trajectory that started in the Bible in a new scene with new questions that we don't always have the opportunity to go look up a verse and get the answer. It's improvisation. And as I said, this is drama is one of the fine arts. So what I love about this is there's an evaluation thing that comes to us from the world of aesthetics. And it says the way you evaluate art is with the concept of fittingness. Right? That's, that's how art like writers and thinkers talk about it. Is this a fitting extension of what came before? That's how you judge jazz improvisation. Is it a fitting kind of continuation with both faithfulness and creativity? That's what improvisation calls for. So what this does, it makes of the Christian life with the Bible actually a work of art. So instead of just robotic obedience, right, or mechanical believing of facts, these modernistic images, we are back in the realm of the fine arts with the Bible, and we are improvising the story in our own time, in our own days. So I want to leave some time for questions, so let me just sum that up. So the way to re-enchant the Bible is to remove the change that the modern age has put on the Bible. We rediscover its literature. We re-engage it as a story. And then we re-enter it as a live drama. And we live lives of beautiful gospel trajectories so that we actually see the Christian community as a community of gospel players. That, to me, is a life-giving image that restores the Bible that God actually gave us. He didn't give us a systematic theology. He gave us a book full of literature and stories and art and life, pain and tragedy, hope and joy. That's the Bible we need to rediscover if we're going to allow the Bible to be what it is, an enchanted book. So, thank you. <laughs>